This is Mackenzie Milton, and you're listening to One Night Stand. Caught with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Caught with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship game. Cause I ball hard. Don't be ball harder. This is One Night Stand. What up, Night fans? It's Wednesday, August 7th, just 22 days until opening kickoff and football season is back. On this episode, we are going to talk about UCF ranked number 17 in the Coaches Bowl. We've got our Fab Five things about football season we're most excited for. We talk about our new nights in the NFL and some updates on guys that change teams. A real good interview with Brandon Helwig where we talk about the QB battle, a little bit about his uh, history and, and some other things going on with the team, and do a little season preview, meanwhile to the West, and Danny White possibly opening the door for a two-for-one, and I'm here with Money Moo. What's up, guys? Welcome back for all of our listeners from last season. We're calling them seasons now because I feel like yeah, you know so- we're probably going to take take summer breaks not a whole lot going on and this is mostly a football podcast but anyway to any new listeners welcome uh where have you been (laughs) if you haven't listened to us before we're basically 99.9 percent ucf football podcast uh we like to mix it up a little bit of different interviews here and there cover a little bit of basketball uh but it's mo- mostly just mostly football based yeah college football two UCF fanboys That's talking it. about the ga- talking about the games two biggest UCF fans ever so we started this uh last August with not a whole lot of anything anything really <laughs> we had no idea what we, we were doing i bought a bunch of equipment and we like plugged it all in and we're like all right what do we talk about but uh well we, it was very hard to get it to work first let's, yeah, well, let's man, it took us that. like three weeks to get <laughs> we couldn't figure out how to turn the mixer on uh yeah call, we called in a specialist and uh yep. so figured it we, out and, yeah. we started from there uh along the way we've interviewed some really incredible people uh all the way from A.J. Romsa, former UCF basketball player Marcus Jordan, former UCF quarterback Kyle Israel. Yeah, we had our uh, assistant AD of content, the GOAT, Eric DeSalvo, uh, former captain and linebacker uh, Josh Lynham, Jags tight end Michael Kulubiali, Orlando Apollos, Hall of Fame tackle Aaron Evans. Uh, never forget the, uh, what the hell is that league called? The Oh, uh, the allegiant, the, wait, the allegiance, the allegiance, the allegiant <laughs> football, allegiant league or something. Frontier, I don't know. Um, yeah, Mac Loudermilk, Tristan Hill, Browns long snapper Charlie Hewlett, who's gonna come back on the show soon. And then, last but not least, our last episode featured Mackenzie Milton and long time, actually the longest tenured ESPN Sports Center anchor and color commentator Steve Levy. Can't believe I said Steve Levy. We've come such a long way from, you know, our first episode and just the beginning thought of this to interviewing someone that we grew up listening to on on one of our favorite watching, stations. yeah, watching, yeah. yeah. Now we're best friends with them, so it's pretty awesome. Well, maybe <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty much, pretty much best friends. Uh, and we're actually, well, uh, we'll talk about it later. We might might be taking a little visit to well, Bristol. Well, we weren't gonna. We I'm weren't going to reveal I'm, that I'm yet. I'm not revealing anything. I'm just saying we might be going to ESPN. 
So be on the lookout for that. We'll we'll share more details of that throughout the season, but uh, it's definitely gonna be pretty cool. Um, anyway, so yeah, this summer, you know, we didn't want to like record a bunch of shows, and there wasn't much to talk about. Nothing's really changed. Um, you know, we're we want to go for quality, not quantity. So we're back, and we we're also busy this summer too. Moo had his house for sale, and um, it was uh, there was some speed bumps on the way, but me, best realtor in Florida, got it done. And then also, Moo had a uh, pretty epic vacation. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, I went to Europe again last season. You know, we had some technical difficulties when I was in Europe. Yeah, I tried the, to call in. Skype. I tried to call in on Skype. Uh, I think it worked, right? Or, it did a little yeah, bit. There know. was one. There, there was a bad upload. I think that was a Charlie Hewitt episode. That's why we're gonna give him another shot to, yeah, to sound good. <laughs> what, he was, he was good. It was yeah. us. We were. I couldn't figure out Skype, and yeah, I mean that that's just growing pain. So I think we've come a long way, definitely. But anyway, yeah, I was in Europe for two weeks. Went to France, Belgium, Netherlands, and Germany. So highly recommended all four of those countries. Amazing. And uh, did you go to Amsterdam? I did. That's in the Netherlands. Oh, Amsterdam I don't, wait, city. Where's the Dutch? That that's what the people are called, the Dutch. I don't understand any of this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so that's that's what we've been doing. But we're we're back and we're ready for football season. Twenty two days away. I couldn't be more excited. Um, let's dive right into this. Uh, the coaches poll came out. The first one of the year came out last week. Um, we were ranked number seventeen, tied for number seventeen with Wisconsin. This is uh, it's our highest preseason ranking in school history. We were number twenty one last year, which is crazy because we had just beat Auburn and went thirteen and zero. And now we just lost to LSU. We lost our best quarterback ever, and we're ranked four spots higher, which just goes to show you how dumb the rankings are. But they do matter because the AP kind of bases it off this, and we move up week to week. What do you think, Moo? So looking at the voting, we're tied with Wisconsin, 436 points. Number 16 just ahead of us is Auburn at 606. So there's a pretty decent gap between us and Auburn. I think the ranking is fair. You know, we don't have to to an outsider that doesn't really follow the team as much, you know, as we do. They're looking at the team as a whole. We don't have Mackenzie Milton, but they see it's a little they, harder of a you know it's, harder of a schedule. It's funny because they don't see you know they see we lost Milton and they're like oh we got Wimbush this four star guy. They don't most people don't dive into it. They think he's just going to step in and, and do really well. Which actually for the first time ever, I think we're getting the benefit of the doubt more than we should not saying I'm not confident but we have a big question mark at quarterback and we'll get into that a little bit later with Brandon who had some really good insight on that but yeah 17 I'll take it I mean I honestly thought they were going to put us in the 20s and you know every week I think um, you know last year we were we started off at 23 we beat UConn we moved up to 20 and all this is is because teams close to ahead of us lost that's how you move up. You win, other teams lose. We didn't get rewarded for beating UConn. We just didn't lose. Then we went up to number 18 after beating SC State when Mackenzie Milton played terrible. Um, yeah, so we were number we we're number 18 after our first two games. So we moved up five spots in two weeks. If we do that this year, we could be ranked number 12 going in against Stanford. Who are they? Ranked? I think that's a little high. I'm just so saying. So for 12, I, I, you know, Stanford is, it currently is ranked 24, which I think is great. Um, I'm surprised they're ranked. I mean, they weren't 20, that good. 23, sorry, 23. They're ranked 23. 
They do have the two games prior to our matchup. They play against Northwestern, pretty decent, and then at USC. Number 25, Northwestern. So that'll be a ranked... That'll be a, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that. That'll be a ranked win under their belt. you got to figure they'll move up at least to top 20, minimum, possibly even like 18 or something like that because, you know, when voters see those two numbers, that's a big game. Absolutely. So that is why I bring us into this next area of can we possibly get game day for a second season in a row for the Stanford game? Do you realize, like, the significance of the question you just asked? Can we get game day again? Right. Oh my god! If you had told me we for would whoever be missed that it ten years ago, here's oh. your another chance. But for for whoever who you know for the rest of us who did go, um, oh my god! It, it was an amazing. It's an amazing experience, and I would definitely want to do it all over again. But I, I think we have a pretty good shot as long as both of us are two and zero. Oh. Yeah, know, well, the game is at three thirty. Usually game day doesn't if it was a noon game, they you know, game day doesn't like to do yeah the, the games right before they some, you know, the kickoff. They they sometimes do, but you're definitely right. Um so you're right. If we're both if they're both two and zero, so say Stanford beats number twenty five Northwestern, then they play USC, who they're ranked number they're ranked number thirty four. They were five and seven last year, lost five of their last six but four of those were by a touchdown or less. They showed signs of being good. They just weren't. But being ranked number 34, USC, they play a good Fresno team week one. They could creep up into that top 25. So Stanford could potentially have two top 25 wins, definitely putting right. them at least in the top 20. We should move up a couple spots. We'll be, you know, at least top 15. And, I mean, ESPN, they we really, really, really put on a good show for them last year with game day. I think they would love to come back. Um, not a better time, you know, than the Stanford game, I would say. Yeah, they were impressed. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, just seeing what, what some of the hosts were saying uh, over Twitter, would really like to get a second shot at a guest picker. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't like the first—I <laughs> didn't like Maury, and I don't think anyone liked Maury— as our guest picker, so dude, talk about like someone that I have the name Maury hadn't crossed my mind or even like I haven't even heard it. it never popped up on my timeline for like the last ten years, maybe. Like I didn't even know he was still a thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but this this is all hypothetical. The only way that it's even a possibility is that if we're both two and zero. Yep, and so. it'll definitely help. If USC is one and zero, you know, so we we need the teams we play to win, and we're overanalyzing this so bad. We need the teams to play the teams we play to win too. Going up to that now, right. if the next week too. I know this is getting ahead of ourselves, but if Pitt comes in three and zero, okay, so Pitt starts off versus Virginia conference game. Then they've got a, they play a, a MAC team Ohio, but then they play Penn State week three. And I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but what else are we going to talk about right now? If Penn State, who's ranked, they're ranked number 14 right now, if they're 2-0 and and Pitt comes in on the road and beats them, now Pitt's ranked 2, oh, we're in the playoff. <laughs> no, I know, two, I'm, I'm getting way ahead of two myself. Two ranked but, wins, I mean, yeah, I mean that's possible. That's what we've missed these last two years. Our ranked wins haven't been the P5 teams. The P5 teams have been garbage. They've been Maryland, then it's... Uh, uh, North Carolina got rained out, and who else? We played Pitt at home. We blew them out, even though they ended up being runners-up in the ACC. We would have two P5 ranked wins. That's a decent case for the playoff. 
I'm just saying. And the third, the third one, you got to figure when we play Cincy or Houston. I think Houston's gonna be that might be or our the conference game. championship game. Wow, getting way too ahead of ourselves. What else is there to talk about? Let's play. <laughs> We're 13 minutes in and we've talked about pretty much everything already. Yeah. All right, done. But uh, let's go back. Let's go back to so get, for possible game day uh, against Stanford. Some of the other notable games where they could pick our, to our go co- competition games: Syracuse versus Clemson, Bama against South Carolina, Florida versus Kentucky, and Penn State Pitt. I think the Penn State Pitt. Eh, eh, eh. Penn Maybe. State's big, especially because it's in uh, what's Death Valley. Is that the Death? There's happy, like f- happy Valley. There's like and there's like four <laughs> schools. Clemson and LSU or Death Valley. I can't keep it straight. That could be one, but Penn State has games. They've got Ohio State at Ohio State and Michigan State on the road. And they've got Michigan at home. So there's gonna be plenty of other Penn State opportunities. And the other games too, it's like South Carolina and eh, there's probably a better Bama game that they could pick, right? Um and what was the other one? Florida, Kentucky. Florida, Kentucky. That's not really competition. I think if we're both two and zero, game day is coming week three. I'd be willing to put money on it. Yeah, dude. So all right, game day week three. Book it. Let's go. <laughs> all right, we we got to figure out who's our quarterback first. Um, all right. Anything else stick out to you on the rankings? Uh, what was Florida like? Number nine. So overrated. I mean they they beat LSU. They're who beat eight. Us. Who else is better though? Here's the I think thing. it's funny that Michigan's ranked higher. One higher than Florida after the last year, Florida beat didn't Florida? They like, beat dis- the yeah. It yeah. was like forty five. So how's Michigan ranked one higher, dude? That's why <laughs> the the polls are dumb, except when they're like nice to us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Ohio State. Well, I guess they got Fields as a transfer, but I mean, I don't know. Oklahoma number four. They've got well, they they got that guy from Bama. Um, I mean, Texas number – well, I guess Texas finished strong. I, dude, we got to play the games. Like, you remember last year, Washington was ranked, like, number eight or something like that. And Miami was, what, they were top ten last year too. A, a lot of these teams that people think are going to be good or not, and there's teams that no one really expected to be decent are going to be ranked. So we just got to get to the games, I would say. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some of our nights in the NFL – little update on them. Tristan Hill, who was drafted, you know, second round, our only draft pick from UCF. The Cowboys released their first depth chart. He was number two on the interior D-line behind Malik Collins, who was the Cowboys' third round pick three years ago. Was terrible in his first two seasons. Slightly improved last year. Now he's in a contract year, so he might step it up, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Tristan Hill's starting very early on in the season. And then we had and then the Jags, they signed three undrafted free agents from UCF. Dredgick Snelson, who got hurt. Something with his knee, it wasn't really disclosed. Taj McGowan tore his ACL. And Kluby Alley actually had a concussion. Now he has been seen running with the ones in some videos that I saw in training camp. Now I got some info from one of the beat writers, the Jags did not re-sign Tommy Bohannon, their longtime fullback. So they're moving to a more of an H-back role, which is kind of like a, it's kind of a mix. I don't know. It's more of like a, like a, a bigger receiver out of the backfield, doesn't really do the big fullback thing, but kind of runs out of there and can block on certain plays. But it sounds like the perfect fit for him. 
Um, and hopefully this concussion doesn't sideline him from too much preseason because he's the kind of guy that can earn one of those last roster spots by contributing on special teams, which will help in the season, even if he doesn't play on the first string offense. So that's, that's just a crazy story from not really even playing that much in his career, getting the injury exemption to play last year, having a great season, not even getting signed. He went to rookie camp, got signed after rookie camp, and is competing for a roster spot. He's the biggest friend of the podcast, only guest with two appearances, interviews on the show. So that's really cool for him. Um, oh, I forgot about Anthony. Who's Anthony? Lenahan. Well, no. I, okay, like player guest, not squints. We love you, squints. We'll have you on soon. Um, what about some other guys, Moo? From what I'm hearing, Matthew Wright doing well in camp, uh, but it's really dependent on Pittsburgh Steelers kicker Chris Boswell's performance. He had a little bit of a down year last year, and we know kickers can fall out of favor extremely quickly. It's kind of a hot <laughs> hand thing, and if you do bad, you're out. Now, the, the Steelers actually signed a different kicker, but he was cut to make room for Matthew Wright. But at the end of the day, if Boswell does great through training camp, they've got to give it to him. It's all right, though. Matt, right down the middle, we know he's automatic. Yep. He's automatic for us. He can do it in the NFL, too. Might, might not be for the Steelers. Obviously, we're hoping that. But, you know, he can't do anything if Boswell does really well. Um, but he, he's going to get a good audition for other teams because the Bears still need a kicker. I mean, and I'm sure a handful of other teams do, too. And then Wyatt Miller is listed on the Jets' first depth chart as a third string. He was seen practicing with the second team, according to the Jets' beat writers. So, what we'll to see, you know, preseason determines a lot. Uh, it's how much effort, you know, yeah. a lot has to do with how much effort you give. And these when, depth when charts, these kids are, are like they're almost fighting for a spot on an NFL squad, you know. I give Wyatt a pretty good shot at making the team. Yeah. And, you know, these depth charts, they're almost for show. They haven't. Yeah, these pra- it's just practice. I mean, they haven't seen anything. They're, they're almost putting them out there just so we have something to talk about. You're right. The pre- the preseason performance by these guys is really going to show, you know, it's really going to determine if they make a roster or not. Now, one of the guys that has played in a preseason game, Rashard Causey, if you remember, he got called for pass interference at the end of the first half in that Broncos-Falcons game, and he was the first ever challenged pass interference. It was overturned. It was bullshit. It was not pass interference, but I guess it wasn't like not pass interference enough to overturn it. I don't know, but he actually got cut right after the game. He had been battling a hamstring injury through camp, so he hadn't really got a lot of looks. So kind of unfortunate news for him, but you know, there's still a lot of training camp left. Unfortunately, a lot of other guys get injured, and I'm sure he'll end up on another roster and get another shot. Um, all right, so that's pretty much it for our guys that are first year or for our rookies in the NFL. What about some of the players that move teams, some of the veterans that are from UCF, Moo? Free agent movements over the offseason, fan favorite Blake Bortles didn't really make it. I don't think it was his fault in Jacksonville. It's the coaches, dude. He's got all defensive-minded coaches. The offensive coordinator sucked. They should have won the Super Bowl. Miles Jack wasn't down, but anyway. So... <laughs> He was unfortunately cut by the Jacksonville Jags. Let's throw away everything in my Jags closet other than the Coobs jersey. Well, I got rid of all my Jags stuff. Well, mostly because I've gained a little weight. But but I got rid of it all and picked up Cowboy stuff. And then we go and sign three players. So Bortles ended up 
with the Rams in L.A. Which I think is an awesome spot for him. He's got a great, talented, offensive-minded coach that if he if his number gets called, I don't hope for anyone to get injured, but you know he'll be ready if, if it's his time. And the thing in Jacksonville is I think they made him try and do too much. McVay is not going to do that. And I think when Bortles gets his number called, he's going to go in, play really well. He's going to play to his strengths. And he's only on a one-year deal with the Rams. And as you see, you know, in these off-seasons, a lot of these teams don't have quarterbacks. And they end up signing like guys like Joe Flacco just because there's really no one else available. Um, so I think Bortles will get another shot if he gets some meaningful minutes in it. And, and I think he'll really get to showcase his skills like, you know, like he did at UCF. Absolutely. So then we move on to Latavius Murray being signed by, which I think is UCF's new favorite NFL team, is the Saints. UCF South? Or no, that's Jacksonville. So Tay joins former UCF defensive back Josh Robinson and former UCF wide receiver Traquan Smith in New Orleans. In other news, Jordan Aikens is listed as a co-first string tight end for the Houston Texans as they use a lot of two tight end sets. Which, that's huge because last year he was like, I remember their starter got hurt and I picked Aikens up in fantasy and played him and he like didn't even get the ball thrown at him. He he had like one catch every game, but he was pretty much a third stringer. So listed as co-first string, I think is, uh, that's that's big for him. It's going to be exciting to watch him play this year uh, as a starter. And Shaquem Griffin is supposed to take on a bigger pass rushing role, which is his strength. Last year, he struggled a little bit at weak side linebacker, but I think they used him more in pass coverage. So they run a 4-3. We ran a 3-4, which the 3-4 is almost like a five-man front. The two outside linebackers are pass rushers. Two inside linebackers stop the run and do coverage. They run a 4-3 and used him. He should have been... A, an edge rusher in a 4-3, like technically a lineman, they use him as one of the three linebackers. That's not his strength. And again, it's a case of using trying to force players into positions that they're not used to playing. So if they use him at pass rusher, which is what he's good at, it's all he's been good at, and he's been not just good, he's been great, I think he'll really have a chance to shine here. Because, yeah, he did, he did definitely struggle at weak side linebacker last year. But again, that's not a position he even played in college. So the, the term linebacker is really vague and and thrown around. He was an edge rusher. He wasn't a linebacker. So, um, anyway. All right. So, that was your little update for Knights in the NFL. Next, we're going right into... All right. Season preview. Let's go. <laughs> Didn't we just... <laughs> oh, sort of. Okay. So, right. let's go. Just a couple of questions. Let's uh, let's go down the let's go down the schedule real quick. Real quick. All right. Quick. Quickly going down the schedule. This is going to be 30 minutes later. <laughs> what, what away games are you going to? This year, I am going to 100% FAU and then possibly any one of the others. I haven't ruled out any of them. I've just, the only thing that I have definite 100% I'm going is FAU. It's tough because a couple of them are on uh, Friday night. Cincinnati's on a Friday night, and I think either, which uh, we've got a, I've got a cousin kind of that lives there, but the flights are, I don't know. I'm definitely doing FAU. Um, well, obviously, thinking about Pitt, definitely. I think Tulane. That's really pretty much it. What do you think the hardest game is going to be, though? I think the hardest game is going to be the Houston game. Their offense is insane. Derek King coming back from injury, 
they're projected to score like 42. They, I think points per game have projected like the seventh or eighth best offense. We have the fifth or sixth. So I've said it on Twitter before. I think that this game is going to be 100-plus points scored. Oh, easy. It's going to be like a 63-55 winner for us. UCF. Uh, yeah, you know, Derek, Derek or Derek, whatever, King. Oh, and their their defense is god-off. It's like one of the worst. Their defense is projected to give up close to as many points as UConn's. And, Ouch. And just, yeah, every one of their games this year take the over. Yeah, the, um, Derek, Derek King is really, really good. And honestly, I was surprised he didn't win uh, Offensive Player of the Year last year in the conference. He had 50 touchdowns in 11 and a half games, which is insane. He's a hundred to one long shot at the Heisman this year. Throw twenty five bucks on it. I think he's definitely gonna get an invite. He's really, really good, is all I can say. And he's not just one of those guys that can just run and run and you know, then he can throw once in a while. I mean, he's a very gifted passer that also happens to be a very talented runner. So yeah, he'll be that'll definitely be a really hard game. The other one that sticks out, you know, besides obviously the the P five games, Cincinnati on the road on Friday night. I think it's going to be a tough game, but maybe they're a little overrated. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, and then, you know, we get USF at home. Our away games, for the most part, are easy. Temple might be. Their quarterback's kind of decent. Tulsa's garbage. Tulane, I he- I've actually heard some good things about they got a new offensive coordinator. Tulane's been not as bad as they usually are, which is a compliment for them. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, and, what you know, we'll really dive into the schedule later after we've seen all these teams play. All right, so now that we've talked about the schedule, we're going to get into our Fab Five. Things about football season we're most excited for. We're going to try out a little bit of a new format here. We're each going to list our Fab Five things. Um, so we each have a list of five as, as opposed to just a top five list that we kind of agree on. So we're going to go back and forth. Um, we're, we're looking for banter here. Yeah, so... All right, let's decide who goes first. Uh, Moo, pick a number one through ten. What, do you have this, like, written down or anything? It's or? in my head. Uh, okay. Uh, three. Wrong. Okay. So you go first. <laughs> oh, wait, no. All right, whatever. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where I was going with that. All right, so Fab Five, things about football season that we're most excited for. Any order, I guess. Since no, well, we... I mean, here's the thing. It's kind of like a draft. Like, you want to have your good ones first so I don't steal them. Oh, good ones first. Okay. Right? right? I mean, because if, then if I get the good ones, I look good and you look dumb. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I would say, I guess the first thing that I'm looking forward to is my ceremonial first shotgunning of the beer. Oh, man. I, I almost always do this, especially the first game of the season. You know, I always get out there real early, ready for the tailgate. And I mean, when that clock hits whatever time we're ready to tailgate, I, I feel like 2 p.m. You know something. the sun. The sun just shines a little brighter. Like everybody's looking around. Like, Birds oh, tripping. can we drink? Can we drink? And oh man, all you got to do is look right at me. You know it's time to drink. When oh, that man. beer cracks and it's going down ice cold, and then uh, it kind of kicks off the day because you know it's usually September or late August. Yeah, <laughs> it's hot as balls. Yep. And um, oh, it just feels so good to you know get back in the get back in the swing of things, and that eh, pretty much all goes downhill from there. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good one. <laughs> All right, so my first uh, thing about football season I'm most excited for, Zombie Nation, dude. 
when that first like when they when they first and then it, oh man dude and you get a little goosebumps the stadium starts shaking it's gonna be dark out the first game's at night and then you're just like you know the team runs out on the field and it's like we're back like that's just the best feeling in the world for me so that's um that's one of the things about football season I'm most excited for yeah I can definitely feel it right now you know just the the whole ambiance. It's epic, man. I can't wait. 22 days. All right. 22 days. So you picked a song. Now I'll pick a song. Uh, I like when they play Thunderstruck by ACDC. I don't, you know, know, what th- I don't know what that is. Lightning and the thunder. No, not that. <laughs> <laughs> that's Imagine Dragons or something. Oh. Anyway. Oh, we'll- I thought you meant. No, they. Oh, no. Imagine Dragons. They did the college football song last year, though. I think so. I'm in the racks gardens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm we're a natural. Grammys for us all. Anyway, oh no. So what's thunder? So when do they AC- play that? Is that when the team runs out? Uh, usually they play. It's in like a down moment. Well, not like when the crowd's down, but like a lull in the crowd, or sometimes like at the beginning. Um, not right before they they run out, but maybe a little bit before. Just kind of like get the fans going. Get you, and you know yeah. they they do the. All the fans like do the stomp. Oh yeah, you know, I know what you're it, talking about. If you heard it, you'd know. Yeah. So no, anyway, that, that'll that'll definitely get you excited. That, that gets me going. All right. Uh, thing uh, thing about football season, I'm excited for. Let's see. You know, I'm gonna just say, sitting on a couch for like 12 hours straight when we have like an away game we can't go to, just watching football all day and not doing anything. Just playing on my phone and Twitter and just watching football all day. That's something I'm really excited for. And I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for that too. You know, last year I, I really started getting more in depth in only college football. I don't really watch a whole lot of NFL. Um, I don't know why. I just don't. It's different. For me, I, I like to bet and I like fantasy. But, I mean, honestly, like, I, I was so into college football last season that – I made the playoffs in three out of my four fantasy leagues. I know no one cares about your fantasy league, but I made the playoffs in three out of four, and I got fourth in all of them because my roster was like decimated because I stopped paying attention after week eight because I was right. just so into college football. Well, so it's like I, ha- I get it. You know, half the weeks, all I'm doing is driving back from yeah. from Orlando, you know, it's three tough. and a half, four hours. It's I, I can't really lot. get into it. It's a lot to keep up with. I agree. All right, so you're next. All right, what did I do? One, two, oh, okay. Okay. This one I should have put at number one. I don't know why. But I, I'm just excited. I'm thrilled for meeting Nugget. What? I've never met Nugget before. I, I want to pet that horse, man. Yeah, all right. I get that. Um, he's so cool. I he's like, like calm, collective. He's got his own hype video. Yeah, poops. It, it, it poops. <laughs> uh, I've, so many people like have different pictures with him, and they get to pet him. Can and you ride him? No. You can't ride him. He's okay. a mini horse, man. Uh-huh. But um, my wife is like super excited to meet him too, and she's never met him. So I, we taking a stand, and yeah. I'm meeting freaking Nugget. Hang out with Nugget, year. have a nice conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what Nugget says when he meets new people? Hey, instead of nay. No, hey. Oh, hey. Hey, because it's like hey, like that's okay. what he eats. That, um, was, a that was a very, joke. very bad made-up <laughs> joke. Um, all right, my number three thing I'm looking forward to. Hmm, let's see. You know what? Going bananas for a false start. The crowd. Bananas. 
you know, we talk about this a little bit in the interview with Brandon later, but like that Cincinnati game, college game day, they're out there. It's so loud that like it's past the point of I can even like realize it's loud. Like I don't hear anything at that point. I'm yelling out of my mind and then dude, you can't even hear the whistles blow. You just see the flags and then the, the, the refs waving their hands. And it's like, oh, false start. And then everyone loses their mind because we just realized we made them – it was a delay a game. And we just realized as a crowd we made them do that. So we get even louder and they get up to the line again and then the right tackle jumps off sides. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> how fast – when they did that off sides, how fast is your hands like start going in the circle motion for oh, the false instant, start? Dude, every penalty <laughs> I do the motion and the direction and I'm pretty much like a like a, like a a sixth referee or whatever one more than the ref is. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm big on the hand stuff. I'm very animated. I, I just hit the table like talking. So right when now. you're confused as to what the call is, look your way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I always know. Or I could just have my hands up like. Duh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's my number three thing. Uh, going bananas for false starts. Definitely looking forward to that. My next one is my go-to phrase. I say this at least a hundred times during the game, and it's "Let's go." Wait, that's literally all I say the whole game. With like that? Just let's go. Well, let's I go. yell it. Let's go. You know, it's like the Tom Brady, you know, the always me- says like, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. My- I just, that's all I say, like all game. I don't know why, but I, I just love saying it. It just gets everybody hyped up. Like, oh, for sure. Go, Dude, that, me too. I mean, I mine has an F in the middle of it, but yeah, that's definitely <laughs> one of my favorite phrases. And an emoji after Well, it, I am next to the family section, so I try to keep it. Yeah, you know PG. I, I get that. Um, yeah, dude, definitely excited for that. With you know, with the hand pumping up the crowd. Whew, man. Yeah, that, that that definitely got me hyped up just talking about that. All right, my number four thing I'm excited about for football season. You know what? I'm gonna say, arguing about the rankings. We complain about it. It's stupid. Why isn't there just some system? But it, as much as I hate it, it's just so much fun. It, it really is. It just gives you something to look forward to. You know, what What time is it? I think noon on every Monday the AP thing comes out. And then it's Tuesday nights for the college football playoff ranking. And it's like, in the middle of... God, my whole world revolves around this stuff. And it, as annoying as it is and as unfair as it is in the playoff system and the committee, it really is just so much fun to argue. I mean, I'll argue about anything. Um, and, and it's fun when you feel like you're being like kind of unfairly treated. But I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to arguing about the rankings. Yeah, because to me, you know, I feel like UCF always has something to fight for. Even when we were undefeated, when we won 25 games in a row, like, nope, nothing. I don't want to be Alabama or Clemson. No, like it's like, oh, win every game, uh, national championship, blah blah blah. Um, get all the Baltimore, best, you know. get all the best recruits. Like that's right. so fun. I like being the underdog. We're yeah, the, we're the fighters oh, yeah. over here. You know, so. That really hi- that really hypes me up too, and I love arguing, especially with because I work with a bunch of Walmart Gator fans. <laughs> uh, nobody went to UF that that works with me. Uh, nobody. I have a guy that is from New Orleans, never went to LSU, but he's a huge LSU fan. Uh, I do have one Auburn grad that we just hired, and he saw me walking in from the parking lot, and of course my car is like covered in UCF <laughs> stuff. And he was like, I just want to put it out there. I am an Auburn fan. You guys won. We had nothing to play for. He was, <laughs> I mean, he 
They really didn't really, have anything uh, to play for, but that doesn't mean they didn't try their best. I think both things can be yeah, true. Yeah, he just said, we didn't show up, and you guys deserve to win. Well, so I mean, you know, when they scored like back-to-back touchdowns against us in the third quarter, everyone was like, oh, yeah, Auburn, they showed up, actually. Like, yeah. it, you know, so it's funny. The narrative always kind of mimics what happened in the game, but if we didn't step it up on offense, then it, been, it wouldn't have been Auburn didn't show up, even if they didn't play that well. Right. So, well, he, he, I mean... He was a, he's okay now, but it's not football season, so we'll see like yeah how much we'll trash he has to talk. Yeah, we'll <laughs> he has see. to talk when when the you know the games start. For my fifth one, this one is truly from the heart. It's seeing fans of the show, guys. When you come up to me, I've had people come up to me randomly uh, at the spring game. UCF fan Michelle, shout out to you, up in the tower when we were there. That is really like the coolest thing that I could ask for uh, when we first originally started the show is people actually listen to this show and care about the show and really care about what me and Sean have to say uh, and really truly support us. You know, that's our biggest, that's the biggest compliment you can give us is telling your friends, telling your other UCF fans about our show because the more people that listen, the more cool stuff we can do, the more cool giveaways we can do. Uh, we're, yeah, we're definitely trying to do some better interviews we can do. Exactly. The more popular we get, like it gives us legitimacy. Like we have a website that's going to come up soon. Hopefully I've been working on it for all summer. Well, <laughs> someone's been working on it and I, I uh, haven't, whatever it's almost done. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're just trying to make this year better than last and we can't do that without, you know, this thing's all spread from, you know, social media and word of mouth. So thank you guys all for listening and supporting us. But like you said, it's really cool when people come up and they're like, I love your show because we put so much time into this and really didn't expect much. And it, if people didn't listen, I wouldn't care because it's something I'm passionate about. But it's so rewarding when people act, when you guys actually, you know, say you like the show. I mean, because it's something we put our heart into and that, you know, you don't get that out of work and stuff like that. This oh, is, exactly. Know, it's a real passion for us. So. so it kind of validates like why we're even doing this if people, yeah. you know, come up to and us. And so. when it's like Sunday afternoon and we're still hungover from Saturday. And, you know, me and Moo live, like, 45 minutes away, and it's like, oh, I do not feel like doing the show. It's like, yeah, we got to charge on <laughs> through the hangover. We got to record. Got to edit. So uh, that, was, that was a good last one, Moo. All right. I, for my fifth thing that I'm excited about for football season, I, you know, I don't know if this one I'm excited about, but it's something exciting that happens during football season. It's when you're tailgating and you see that, like <laughs> – that long line to the porta potties, and then you're like, "Oh crap, I can't wait." So you just keep walking, and then there's like a secret area with like two, and there's no wait. That that's exciting. Like, I that really like that's just a great nice treasure. You're kind of drunk. It's like oh, I don't want to do this. It's hot, and then you just find one that that people didn't realize there's a line for. I feel like people see the line, they just line up for it. That excites me. Or it's and it's it's an exciting thing. That I, happens I have a similar game. story. So something ha- like that happened to me, but I I can't really remember where it was. I mean, it was on campus, but like there was a huge line, and then I I went to like try a door of some building, but I can't <laughs> magic, remember what the magic door. I can't remember what building it was, but the door was actually unlocked, and Dude, I that, just went in and the air- bathroom like instantly like was right in front of my face. Dude, and the like, air oh, conditioning man. hits you, and yeah. it's just like oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's weird because like there's always that long, there's two really long rows of porta potties, and there's always a huge line for them. But there's some that are like between the parking lots. I don't really know where. It's some of those things like I have to be drunk to like figure out where it is. 
But there's always a couple like random like satellite ones, or there's just like one or two, and there's never a wait for them. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that's an exciting thing. Doesn't but excite me. For if you listened, stuff. if you are an avid listener to the show, last year we did a show where we had our top five tailgating tips. We yeah. gave you the number one bathroom to use is right outside the basketball arena. It's never aligned in the AC. Very nice. And it's very close to Memory Mall. So. Yep. All right. A lot of bathroom talk. Yeah. <laughs> we are excited about bathrooms. But, you know, all these little things are just like painting a picture of memories for me of the last few seasons of Tailgates. And you know what? 22 days away. But who's counting? All right. A uh, couple more little segments here, and then we'll do the interview. We've got a couple meanwhiles, meanwhile to the Wests, meanwhiles to the West, meanwhile to the West is. So USF had to move their practice to the morning due to inclement weather. Uh, when their beat writer actually tweeted this, he was also at the end was begging for donations for their indoor practice facility, something UCF's had for over a decade. So, yeah, that was funny. And then Moose got another one. Another meanwhile to the West is country star Luke Bryan was having a concert in Tampa where he mentions FSU, UF, Miami, and UCF with literally no mention of USF. Right. And I'll get the clip for you. Where are my football fans? Y'all ready for football season yet? Where are my Seminole fans? Y'all ready for football season we're going to be terrible this year, I'm just telling you. Now, where are my Gator fans? Where are the Gator fans? You're going to be a little better than Florida State. Where are my Hurricanes? Any Hurricanes fans? Ooh, y'all don't like them. You know what? And you know what? Where are my UCF fans? The damn nice. But uh, yeah, he was in Tampa, took a shot at the other three schools while mentioning us and didn't even mention USF, which is pretty much just a, that's USF in a nutshell. They're so irrelevant and it makes us happy. All right. Last, uh, last up, this one I feel like didn't get talked about that much because I think everyone's just tired about talking about the stupid scheduling thing. But Danny White was on Mike, uh, Bian- is it Bianchi, Bianchi? Beyonce, um, his uh, radio show, and I'll read the quote. Bianchi asked Danny White, you know, Danny White went through his thing about saying, you know, it wasn't really a two-for-one offer. It was a a two at at Gainesville and a one at Camping World Stadium. That's silly. He started to talk about how he he doesn't even ask for home-and-homes with major programs because he knows they won't accept it. But then he asked him about, uh, if the Gators offered a two-for-one, would he take it? And his answer changed a little bit from kind of his previous stance on only doing home-and-homes. He responded and said, the Gators, they don't do that. I'm not picking up the phone and calling those programs 
when I know they don't do that. I'm talking about us. He said, it makes me look stupid. But if that fairy tale scenario happened, now he's referring to a two-for-one offer, a real one, maybe we would reconsider our two-for-one stance. I know it's really like a maybe, whatever, fairy tale thing, but this is the first time he's ever even remotely backed away from the home and home thing. And in the past, I've had Danny White's back the entire time. I said, nope, only home and homes. We need the revenue. It's not worth it. Blah, 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 blah. But hey, if he said we would reconsider, then I'll reconsider my opinion. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I would too. I'm in the camp where, you know, Danny knows what's best for the school. Here's the thing. It depends on the caliber of the team too. Like we're not doing two for ones with like Virginia, okay? Yeah. Or this yeah. has to be like a top five, top seven program. There's only I would say maybe ten schools we would do this with. Probably not even that. I don't think any Big Twelve schools worth it. I would say that Gators, Bama, Clemson. Oh, you don't think Oklahoma's worth it? I don't know. I mean, they do. They do one for one games with like Boise and stuff like that, or uh, or Houston. I don't think Oklahoma is. I mean, they're, I don't know. But What about Notre Dame? I don't know. I mean, when you put it like that, there's a bunch of schools I'd do it with because I don't think they're that good and we could win the away games and it wouldn't matter. But I, I, don't, I don't know. That's, that's tough. That's way above my pay grade. But, you know, White goes on to say his reasoning for not wanting to do two-for-ones isn't even, it, one, it's a financial thing for us losing, you know, home game or whatever. But, two, he talks about a point that I made way, way back when this whole thing started back in the spring in March and April. There is no incentive for us to take, to play these, to take these unfair deals, to play these teams when we still have to get extremely lucky, go undefeated, hope the team that we schedule eight years from now is ranked and wins pretty much all their other games. We can't lose a game, win our conference championship, and pray that we make the playoff. And in turn... This might be a game that we lose that prevents us to getting to the MY6 game, which is pretty much our goal now. So, like, why are we going to take a financially unfair deal just to make it harder for us to make the MY6 game? Yeah, I agree. It with doesn't you. make sense. I mean, well, here's the other thing is like, you're praying for this team to be good. Like, you could do a two for one with Miami and they suck later on. It could be, like, a, it could be Alabama, even. Alabama, up until Saban got there, wasn't that good. I mean, we beat them the last time we played them. And these, some of these games are scheduled in, like, 2028. There's one, I think I saw it, it was, like, 2030-something for some of these schools. Yeah, so like what it makes th- no sense. We don't the, know, We spend yeah. so much time worrying about the stupid scheduling. So we're about winning. Yeah, I agree, but... Winning cures everything. He kind of left the door open, so we'll see what happens. I'd be know. all right with it. If it was, like, I don't know, I would say floor. You know, uh, hell, I'd say Miami any either way. We'd probably outnumber the damn Miami I was fans say, in Miami. UCF is like Miami North, like in terms of attendance. I feel like 50% of the people are from South Florida. I would do that. Yeah. I, I would do a two-for-one in Miami. Why not? You know, when the two-for-one thing with the Gators first came up, I was only skeptical because it'd be in the future and we really didn't know. But, dude, we got Dylan Gabriel, man. Like, we, as long as we got a good quarterback, I feel like we'll be all right. You realize we're going to be very good for, like, at the very least, like four, five more years. Well, it depends on who's going to replace Heibel after 2020 when he leaves. Not. Nah. I'm just saying. You know, here's the thing. He's he's going to be here next year because there's only a handful of coaches on the hot seat, and they're all at really bad schools. It's like Lovey Smith at Illinois, and I think the Rutgers coach maybe, but 
everyone else at a big school is still in their first or second year. They've done good. Chip Kelly, if he has a bad year, might be out. But it, it, there's not going to be much coaching change after 2019. I think it's after 2020. And I think Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma might go to the NFL. And then, obviously, Hypo, alma mater, that whole thing. But we're good for two years, so. I don't know about all that. I don't know. I, dude, I look way too far in the future for this stuff. but I think it's way different of a situation than Frost with Nebraska. A little bit. I mean, what Heupel's not from Oklahoma. He's from South Dakota, which is... Is that like North Oklahoma? Aren't they kind of by each other? I don't really they know. They do border each other, I think. Yeah, so it's Oklahoma North. I, dude, obviously, you know, it, it's a little different. But, it. I mean, at the end of the day, he could leave for another P5 job. There'll be some openings in 2020. I Do know. They? It. Oh no. Where the hell's Oklahoma? No. Is it oh, not wow. even close? <laughs> really bad. <laughs> I'm usually pretty good at geography, but never mind. Kansas and Nebraska are <laughs> are above Oklahoma. Is South Dakota then, way like way more west? No, South Dakota is right just north of Nebraska. Oh, so there's like some states in between. Yeah. Uh, dude, like, I don't know, man. South Dakota and Oklahoma are like on the same longitude. Nebraska and Kansas. Which are one's longitude? Is that up and down? Oh. Long. Long could be <laughs> left and right. Longitude. Or or longitude. All right, this is <laughs> you can't we're doing these weird hand movements. Anyway, I don't even know how what are we what were we how do we even start we're talking just, about you that? You were talking about Hypo trying to leave like an idiot. Shut up. Yeah, he would be an idiot if he left. All right, next up we've got our interview. Really good interview with Brandon Helwig from UCFsports.com. Everyone knows him, the longtime beat writer. For UCF, he's covered us since 1999. We actually get into a little bit of his background, like how he started, where he did, and it was actually really interesting, kind of surprising. But I learned a lot of cool things about him. Then we talked a lot about the quarterback battle. We got into some of the uh, the transfers, if they're eligible or not. Talked a little bit about special teams, and then had a really funny story from George O'Leary. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. So let's get to that. All right, we are here with legendary UCF reporter Brandon Helwig. You know him from UCFsports.com and also at UCF Sports on Twitter. Brandon, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Oh, it's great to be here. You didn't have legendary. I don't know where that came from. I mean, I, I, I appreciate it, I guess, but I don't know about that. Well, I mean, you've pretty much been the guy for, I mean, at least as long as I can remember. Me and Moo both got to UCF in 2007. And there's been a lot of people that have kind of come and gone as beat writers or whatever. Uh, but you've been the you know the one constant, and I think you're always the guy with the best scoop. So I think that's legendary, at least around <laughs> around East Orlando. <laughs> yeah, well, 2007. I mean, I can't think of a better time to kind of you know jump into your UCF fandom, opening up the stadium and all that excitement with Kevin Smith's record-setting season, opening up with Texas, and you know winning the Conference USA Championship. You know, I, to me, I, it's, you guys, you guys pretty much. Still started started where you should have um you know there's not a whole lot of great memories before that but uh you guys have pretty much seen them all i guess yeah and it's crazy because i don't think we fully i mean i know i knew how big of an underdog we were going into that texas game but like we couldn't really appreciate like how awesome it was to have the stadium opening because we we never did the citrus bowl thing we never had you know the years and years of just you know almost close losses to to really good power uh power conference schools and all that but i think looking back it makes us appreciate it more but it was definitely a really really fun time to be there i mean i think you know obviously use has had some fantastic seasons you know of late the past 10 years but i think that summer if you want to say if you want to rank, rank summers leading up to a season 
I mean, that one by far, I think, is, is was the best one or the most memorable one. Just the excitement of, you know, knowing that for years you played off campus at the Citrus Bowl. It was a lousy environment. It was a good area. Uh, the fan support wasn't always all that great. And just the excitement of what that meant, you know, being there, if, you know, you're hosting Texas, you know, you have a stadium on campus, the pageantry of that, you know, the tailgating, you know, exposing the campus to your family and friends, you know, everyone always likes going on road trips just to, you know, check out other schools and their campuses and whatnot. And now you have that at home at UCF. I mean, if you had a rank, I mean, that was really a memorable summer, just the excitement, just every little tidbit, you know, taking pictures of the stadium, you know, to see how the construction progress was going and talking about this. And I mean, that really was the, the best summer that I can remember from a UCF standpoint. That's crazy. I mean, we kind of, we were just excited to go to college in that summer, but I can't imagine, I mean, the anticipation after the national championship year, to, to come back and try and repeat was uh, incredible for us. But I can't imagine like sitting there watching the stadium being built, being so excited to finally go in it after, you know, years and years of misery at the Citrus Bowl. I mean, that's right. I think it's South Florida. I mean, obviously, you, you obviously people see on Twitter and stuff, South Florida obviously plays at Raymond James Stadium. And there's always talk about, you know, maybe can they build an off-campus stadium? And their fans are always like, oh, we don't want to, you know, we don't want some crappy stadium like like UCF. I mean, they're, they're crazy. I mean, the fact that you play on campus is such a huge deal. Maybe Bright House slash Spectrum isn't the nicest stadium that you'll ever see, but it's it's perfectly fine and just whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's your stadium. It's on campus. It's, it's, I would not, even if Orlando had an NFL team and the Citrus Bowl camping or whatever you want to call it was much nicer than it is now. It's a pretty nice stadium as it is. I wouldn't want to play there. I mean, it is such an advantage playing on campus just from building a fan. I mean, the fan base has exploded. I think really, you know, not just your success, it's the stadium. I mean, that's the reason why UCS fan base has, has grown so much. If UCF had been playing at the Citrus Bowl all these years, the fan support wouldn't be anywhere, you know, how it is now. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, people want to talk about our stadium all they want about, you know, not being that nice. It's a big aluminum thing. But the reason our stadium gets so loud is because of the echo off the aluminum. Um, so I guess being a, a quote unquote cheaper stadium gives us a big advantage because you know, opposing teams have said that we're much louder than than playing at, at some of the schools that have oh, over a hundred thousand in their stadium. So, it's pretty do you cool. guys remember? Were you guys at that like first Texas game or any of those first games? Obviously, that 07 year. Do you remember how the stadium would literally bend? I mean, you talk about it shaking and whatnot now, but that that student end zone was after that season they reinforced it. I mean, they added all this, you know, whatever they do to reinforce the stadium with steel or whatever. But I mean, if you looked at that tunnel where the players come out and there's like a metal beam, a metal support beam, it was literally, you know, buckling back and I mean, it was scary. I was kind of wondering, like, is this, <laughs> is this safe? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's just, that's amazing. That's just, I mean, I was kind of like, you know, back in the day when you know, phones weren't that great. I mean, that would have been a, an, a, like a viral video okay, sure. of the stadium <laughs> bending. I mean, 2007, I don't think our phones were that great back then. My mom might have been still rocking one of those, one of those Nokias. I had a black, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that was just, that was just crazy. I mean, the home field, I mean, just anyone watch that, just go watch that Cincinnati game from last year. Watch the, the ABC telecast of your mint to that game and how impressed those guys were. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. That, that definitely helped us going back to that Texas game. That's funny. I remember, Moo, you remember, I mean, weren't we lined up at the gates, like, when they first opened to run into the student section? Yeah, we were pl- we were pretty close to the front, and all of a sudden, oh, no, we weren't 
that was another game. Never mind. We were we were we thought we were going to be up close to the front. I think we got there like 30 45 minutes before they opened the gate and the line to get in was like it was insane. Insane. We ended up getting I think we were like first or second row, but we were in the upper section right uh, behind the goalpost, so still pretty good seats. Yeah, and then from there on out, we would get <laughs> we're such losers. We would get to the stadium like like an hour and a half before the gates oh, opened yeah. just to get front row <laughs> so we could get in the front row of the student section but uh those were good times man it's crazy you, you go back and watch the uh the replays and the whole stadium was in like khaki and yellow and almost orangish colored stuff it's cool to see the transformation to the pretty much all blackout that we do for every game um yeah, we've come a long way in uh 12 years <laughs> There's a lot of beige and yeah, it's kind of I mean not to get too off topic but I mean you if you've noticed UCF is pretty much eliminating gold as a color. Uh, I mean, all- obviously, it's it's black and gold, but look at, at facilities, look at jerseys. I mean, the only gold you're going to see is a highlight, like an outline of a number maybe or, or logo. There is no gold jersey anymore. We're not just talking just football. We're talking, you know, volleyball, soccer, softball, baseball. Then, you know, gray is really that kind of that alternate color. You know, black, white, and gray are pretty much the predominant colors now. Yeah, and the new buildings they're building, uh, they're all they're they're not painting them that ugly yellow color anymore. They're all like yeah. a gray or anthracite or whatever they want to call it. Um, it, I'm glad we're we're getting away from that because I love gold as our color, but you can't replicate gold on fabric or a building. It's it's khaki or yellow or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, unless unless you're gonna have like, like Missouri or you know a team that has like a yellowish kind of gold. I mean, that's the only way you can really do it, and it just it's just loud and gaudy and. You know, I understand what they're doing. I, I mean, yeah, but we got a lot more to talk about than just goes. But with Canaveral Blue, I mean, that's that was cool. I, I kind of had heard some buzz that that might kind of you know creep into more and more stuff as like a occasional kind of alternate color. You know, that blue color they wore in the space uniforms last year, and then they brought it back out for the baseball. Uh, those throwbacks, uh, Citronaut hats that the baseball team wore this past season. They were kind of a blue color. So I don't know. I've kind of heard some buzz that, you know, Danny Wyatt really liked that. And I'm kind of anxious to see if, if they pull pull that out, you know, for, for you know, something else here in the next year. I don't see why not. All those jerseys and, and uniform or uh, jerseys and helmet combinations sold for like two grand each. And they sold a ton of merchandise that was sold out before the game even happened. Um, let's talk more about you real quick for the people that, that don't know about your background and everything. You've been covering UCF since 1999, correct? Yeah, and and basically, you know, how it started, if anyone is old enough to kind of remember, like, the late 90s, kind of when the internet was really exploding, I mean, maybe there was AOL a few years before with, you know, chat rooms or whatever, but, (laughs) I mean, the internet, as far as websites and stuff, really from, like, 96 onward, um, really started exploding and stuff, and I, I I was in high school just kind of, you know, at first I was just kind of like looking on the, on the internet in my high school library, just looking at different things. And, you know, I liked, I liked, you know, I lived here, you know, so I, you know, my brother was going to UCF at the time. So I like college football and, you know, just kind of was checking stuff out. And, you know, I found a UCF message board um, back in the day. It was called UCF Nightline. And, you know, just kind of, oh, yeah, cool. People are talking about football and, you know, kind of read the posts and stuff. You know, I didn't know what was going on, really. And so it was just a good source for me to become, you know, more knowledgeable as a young fan. And that's sort of, you know, kind of how it all started. You know, I was 15, 16, you know, 17 years old. 
And, you know, and then at that point, you know, it, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, there used to be these websites where you could kind of create your own site. You know, now it's like, you know, you got a social media profile. That's all you need. Or you had my, you know, my space back in the mid 2000s. But probably before that, it was a, a thing like, like angel, you have your, angel your, fire. Your, yeah, you have your <laughs> angel fire, your geo geo cities oh, was the man. big one tripod you remember this yeah. i don't know if you guys remember but no, you kind of I, I was i was big i, I could code html stuff i had my own buccaneers website back in the day and uh that's that's exa- <laughs> probably exactly what it was what it was, was. geo cities yeah. or something like that <laughs> yeah and so and that was kind of what what people did with like the little you know maybe you can make like the little midi sound like the sound effects when you logged on or like the spinning noise, yeah. <laughs> spinning graphics or like the this the spaceship background or you know the, the story not whatever it was but i started i mean and i don't think that the word blog like existed back then i don't know when i think that was more of a mid 2000s thing but whatever it was um you know i was i was active on this message board and and there wasn't as far as like recruiting there wasn't a, a centralized kind of outlet for you know tracking that stuff i mean you'd have the newspaper like the orlando sentinel would maybe put it you know they would maybe compile a list and you know maybe when you got close to signing day would they'd kind of you know occasionally write so you know if some guy you know from the local area committed you would maybe hear about it with the story but there really wasn't a, a, a centralized place like if you're a ucf fan these are who have committed I'm like, well, this is something kind of that people are following that I, I enjoyed doing. And so I put together this website on it where, you know, these are the, you know, the ninth class of 1999 UCF commitments. This is some information where they're from, you know, some stories. And um, in the summer of 1999, I got an email from, you know, someone who represented some startup website uh, called Rivals.com. And they were looking for someone to basically publish a website for every division one team and um so they they you know they found me i guess i maybe i think they might have contacted someone else who wasn't interested and they contacted me because i had this crappy website up (laughs) and uh they said hey do you want to do a ucf site you know here here's a thousand dollar bonus if you want to do it all right i'm like you know i'm like geez i'm like a thousand bucks i mean it's a lot yeah yeah yeah, it would seem like a lot of money and so yeah I'll, i'll do it and so you know, that's that's kind of how it started. I mean, it, it really wasn't, you know, any sort of official kind of journalism background. It was just they found a guy who had a UCF site. I mean, I learned everything since that point. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at, at, at the very beginning. But the first, you know, the probably the, the first you know stage of the site was just covering recruiting and and just interviewing a guy over the phone and writing a story about it. like that was like that wasn't even done i mean doing stories about players committing to a school wasn't really even a thing i mean if you see it now it's like not that big of a deal but back then oh just someone committed that, that was always like there was no quotes there was a story about it you know m- most, most of these newspapers i would write about it they just it would just be like a sentence in the newspaper it wasn't right. like a like a big deal like a bullet and, point right yeah, yeah it was like a bullet point like no like no one really cared i guess and, and it was a point where I think in college football, you know, I was young then. I don't really have any perspective of how things were in the 80s or early 90s as much. But, you know, it was kind of becoming big business. I remember the first interview I did was a quarterback who had committed to UCF uh, named John Rivera. Um, he didn't end up he, – he played his entire career at UCF. He actually um, started some games after Ryan Schneider got kicked off the team as a senior in 03. He didn't play a whole lot, but, yeah, I just always kind of remember that and – trying to figure out, you know, how do I get a hold of this guy? And it's like, you know, I 
it was, it was, you know, you guys kind of remember probably just, you know, internet, internet was a lot different. Like it wasn't as easy, like with social media these days, you know, you can get in, you can find somebody and contact someone a lot easier. Like back then it was like, you know, I pull to, up like, the yellow find, pages. I, yeah. I have to like, names. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you, can you find out like where the high school phone number is? And yeah. I'm like leaving a message for the coach and, and can you maybe like find the player and give him my number? It was just really complicated. Yeah, so <laughs> it was a lot more difficult back then, but that's kind of how it started. And, you know, I obviously, you know, as I matured and got older and, and got gained experience and, you know, it, the site obviously evolved and, and grew a lot. And, you know, I've pretty much been, you know, doing this full time for, you know, last 10 or 12 years, but, you know, it was kind of a, a labor of love at the very beginning. Um, you know, I, you know, do I, you know, as people always ask me, you know, are you a fan? I mean, I want to see UCF do well. I don't, you know, I'm kind of beyond that point where, you know, obviously I, I would, you know, if people want to call me fanboy media, I mean, that's fine. I guess you could say I'm biased towards UCF because I, I kind of, I kind of know what my audience is, you know, I, I'm not yeah. like answering to anybody else. Like if I, I have a lot of fun antagonizing South Florida and it's an, <laughs> you know, I don't really care. Cause you know, those guys that cover South Florida, I mean, we have mutual respect for each other. They do the same thing and they kind of see it from the same perspective that I do. The more you do that, you know, it's, it's, it's better for us. It's better for the rivalry. It's better for the fan bases and stuff, but yeah, so it's, it's been a, a labor of love for me. I've really, you know, it's been a blast seeing, you know, UCF, you know, grow from, from nothing really, or very small time program to, to what it is now, especially, you know, this is something I know we'll talk about, you know, as the year goes on, but this, this decade, you know, of UCF athletics, you know, beginning in 2010 with, you know, beating Georgia in the Liberty bowl and, you know, winning the Fiesta Bowl a few years later, and just the you know, the changes with everything and coaching change and Frost coming in and going undefeated national championship now with Hypo last year. I mean, this has just really been an amazing decade for for UCF, and I'm just I'm just really honored and and you know excited and happy and whatever word you want to use that I've been able to to see a lot of these great moments. Yeah, it's been awesome to to be a part of it as a fan, and I, I can't imagine if I had gone to any other school. I mean, this has just been like a, a like a a, a per how do you say parabolic parabolic like growth or whatever (laughs) it's just been absolutely insane i mean i thought the fiesta bowl was like the peak of us i was like this is it it's never gonna get better yeah and then then it just (laughs) danny white's like hold my beer uh but yeah we could talk about that forever let's talk about the current team now obviously we've got the QB kind of battle going on, you know, Mac broke his ankle. He should be ready, uh, at least from what I heard, close to the start of the first game. But I don't think he's going to have the, the experience with the, you know, with the practices and stuff like that to really be ready. What have you seen out there from, you know, the guys that are that are not injured? Wimbush, Quadri Jones and Dylan Gabriel. What can you tell us about them? Well, we haven't seen much. I mean, media can go at the beginning of practice for about 10 or 15 minutes, half of which is the team doing stretching drills. So, <laughs> I mean, there's not these, and I mean, you know, they intentionally do that. I mean, it's, of course, UCF, yeah. since Frost got in here, they've been pretty restrictive on practice access. Back in the day with O'Leary, pretty much every practice was wide open. You might get yelled at by O'Leary for some strange reason that you really didn't do anything wrong. He just wanted to yell. You might get yelled at, but you could be at practice and watch everything that goes on. But that hasn't been the case um, the past few years. Uh, just the buzz and, and everything is is kind of sort of what we heard in the spring and summer is that, you know, Brandon, I mean, I, I guess, you know, especially with Daryl Mack out, I mean, everyone would probably think, you know, yeah, the grad transfer, Brandon Wimbush, you know, went 13 and three in Notre Dame over the last two seasons. They brought him in. Like most people would probably think on the outside that this guy would be a shoe of the start, right? I mean, he's 
played in big games and done really well. And, you know, that may end up being the case, but Dylan Gabriel, like the buzz you hear about him and just the kind of swagger he, he has and how specifically how accurate he is throwing the ball um, is just, you know, you heard about in spring, heard him on summer and you're hearing about it now. Like, like don't count him out. You know, I guess I haven't seen a full practice. You know, I, I don't see a lot of everything that goes on, but just from the warmups and stuff, I mean, he's on the money and Brandon Wimbush, some of his, you know, dot, you know, documented issues at Notre Dame, maybe he can throw a pretty good deep ball, but some of those mid range intermediate passes sometimes are off the mark. I mean, we've seen that in warmups that, yeah. you know, some of those, he struggles a little bit with those still and Dylan Gabriel and Quadri to his credit, he's, he's, he's slinging those things pretty well too. So I'm very interested to see how this goes on. I think, I think that that Heupel and Levy and those guys, I think they want to start Brandon Wimbush. Just, you know, I I don't know what it would take for Dylan Gabriel to come out and earn the starting job game one. I think people know he is the future. I well, this is my my opinion. I'm not counting out Quadri Jones or Daryl Mack whenever he comes back, but. I think there's a sentiment that this is a pretty special player. And, you know, who knows what will happen with, you know, McKenzie Milton, if he can come back next year or what's going to happen there. But I think there's a, a real sense that Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback of the future. And it's, you know, he's a true freshman. Zero experience has never played, you know, <laughs> even if he has outperformed with, you know, Brandon Wimbush in preseason. I mean, would you name him your starter going into a couple games where I don't, it doesn't even matter who starts, you know, UCF's going to blow the doors off of FAMU. And should, well, we want, you know, we should. want your hot take. <laughs> this is my what the, hot, this my is what the people take. have come to yeah. this episode to hear what your gut feeling is. My gut feeling is that everyone will know, this is just a hot take. Like I said, I, this is my, you know, just, just stuff that I've seen and heard. I don't really know what's going on. I'm not coach Heupel. But my gut feeling is that everyone will know Dylan Gabriel is the quarterback of the future, you know, players, coaches. I think still, unless Brandon Wimbush is just absolutely terrible, which which I don't I don't think he is, but absolutely terrible. And it's just the worst quarterback you've ever seen because he can do a lot of stuff with his feet. I mean, he's like another running back back there. You know, if he could, if he's off the mark a little bit in some mid range passes, it won't matter. Those first two games against Florida and m and FAU. I think Wimbush will start. I think hype on the back of his mind will know that there will be opportunities to get Dylan Gabriel into the game and we'll just see how it, how it plays out. I mean, if it's a, if it's a situation where, you know, Brandon Wimbush gets in, he struggles, he turns the ball over and Dylan gets in there and, and doesn't do that and leads the team, you know, it could be a situation where he overtakes Wimbush as starter or Wimbush in the game. I mean, that experience has got to count for, for something. Is this like you know, another he's... Pete DeNovo situation? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be, but I just think Utah's offense is really, as long as Wimbush doesn't make mistakes, all right, costly turnovers or whatever, as long as, you know, there's, he can run the ball. He's got guys, obviously, he can hit the ball if I can run the ball. He's got dynamic receivers. As long as he can just manage the team, I think. You know, that that's that Stanford game is the biggest question mark, but almost in every other game, that's probably good enough to win. And so I'm just really curious to see how Hypo handles things with, you know, how he names this. Is he just going to name an outright starter? Is he going to be a little bit more vague and just say, well, this guy's going to start, but we're going to, you know, try to play all three because there should be opportunities to play all three early in the season. You know, I'm just really anxious because, you know, there's a lot of buzz about Dylan. And, and I don't, I mean, 
maybe in an ideal world, you know, he would redshirt and, and, you know, I'm not counting that out if they felt like, you know, they don't have to play him, but you know, you can play, you know, this rule, I believe started last year. You can play in up to four games and still maintain your red shirt. Um, you know, that's the thing. I don't, we, we could use, if Wimbush sucks, we could use Gabriel until Matt gets back and then use Matt. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, it's tough. And here's the thing we play. It's almost two cupcake cupcake games to start. But we need a good, a great quarterback, I think, to beat Stanford. So I think all three quarterbacks get some looks in those first two games. And if, you know, I think they're going to probably test Wimbush too, even though he doesn't have to throw that well. They're going to make him kind of do it almost as an audition because we're going to have to have our best quarterback out there to beat Stanford. So I think they're going to test him a little bit. Even though he doesn't have to throw to win, we need to see if he can or not to know what we're going to do for Stanford when we do have to throw the ball and, you know, run Heupel's actual offense, not a bunch of running plays, which we know Wimbush could start all 12 games and probably win nine easily just off a mostly running-based thing, only throwing once in a while because he's an absolute beast and he's almost impossible to tackle. But, you know, that might not cut it for Stanford, and we can't wait till Stanford to find out, I guess, kind of what my point is. I, I totally agree with you. And, and for all the people that say, you know, they want to ret- retro Dylan, it's like, you got to win now. I mean, you can't yep. be thinking about next year. Who if you cares? got a guy who's, who's the best player, you know, coaches don't have a problem playing a guy if they're the best player. And, you know, people bring up, Oh, McKenzie, but we don't, we don't know. I mean, you know, I, I know that's yeah. callous. We don't I have no idea if he's going to play ever again. We don't know that. And, and if, if Dylan, Gabriel is the quarterback of the future. If he's your likely starter, if you, he's your likely number one going into next season, 2020, I mean, you want to have experience this year. You don't want to be putting out a guy, you know, next year that, you know, has very little to, to know experience. And we also have that four, you know, four games to play in this year. But if he's a guy that in all likelihood looks like he's going to be the starter for a multi-year starter beyond this year, you play him as much and you get him as much experience as you can. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, another thing too, that, you know, as good as Gabriel is, is in practice or whatever I mean there's nothing 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 can replicate game experience which is why I think he's going to see a lot of you know meaningful snaps in these first two games because if you remember KZ I mean his first year he showed flashes well first of all he killed it in practice I remember hearing people compare him to Manziel who's absolutely lights out and then he comes in the first game he had six fumbles versus Maryland even though we almost won in overtime and that's kind of how his first season was He'd show flashes of greatness, and then he'd, you know, make a lot of mistakes. And that's almost expected of a, of a true freshman quarterback. No matter how good Gabriel is, he's going to have that. And, you know, we, we want to go undefeated again. We have to to get to an MY6 bowl. So if he, I guess he's on like a quicker learning curve than KZ is. I mean, I think it's going to take a lot for him to be the starting quarterback is what I have yeah, to say. Just, well, for him to be the starting quarterback game one, I just have a hard time seeing it happen unless Wimbush gets hurt or something like that. But yeah. I just think, you know, you don't know, like you said, you know, like he did come in in January, which was something that, that KZ did not do. Uh, KZ came in, in in the June, the June, July, summertime. So he has the advantage there, but like, you don't know, I mean, he's, he's been playing in Hawaii. I know they, they're big on high, in high school football back then, but he's never played in some of these environments. I mean, you yeah. know, you know, jitters and nerves. I mean, from what, we hear and what you know he seems like a pretty 
you know, cool, calm kind of guy, but you don't really know until you put it on that environment. Yeah. You know, this is going to be, I'm sure there's going to be nerves. You know, how does he handle his nerves? You know, he's got to work through them. That's why I really have a hard time seeing a situation where Wimbush is not named starting quarterback going into game one. Even if the back in their mind, they think Dylan Gabriel is maybe going to develop into a better quarterback overall and knowing that maybe there's an opportunity for him to overtake Brandon Wimbush if Wimbush struggles. I still think it's Wimbush's job job to lose he just has to take care of the football and you know if you know some of those mid-range throws and maybe you know like you know there's been you know examples you know it's not like guys can't improve you know Gardner Gardner Minshew you know was East Carolina really did absolutely nothing and then he went out to Washington State as a grad transfer worked with Mike Leach and ended up being like a Heisman candidate out of nowhere yeah and it's not just going to happen with Brandon Wimbush but as he continues to be tutored by, you know, one of the better quarterback coaches in the nation and Josh Heupel that hopefully he can improve some of this stuff and, you know, maybe, maybe correct some of those mistakes he was making at Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, man, I, I can't wait to see the first game. It gets uh, no more speculation, stuff like that. We can just see all the guys out there playing the field. Uh, let's move on to a couple other positions that there's kind of some question marks at special teams. And I, I know you didn't, you've said, you know, you haven't seen that much of practice, but is there any buzz around what's going on? I, I think that, is there like a kicker battle or something like that? Or what can you tell me? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, there's, there's a battle pretty much everywhere. Cause you know, everyone's gone in terms of every specialist, right. You know, and you've got Matt Riot was, you know, UCF's all time scoring leader, you know, I mean, really, it's it's like for all the attention some of these other guys got. I mean, you know, Matt Wright was on the money the the, the past few years, and so you got to replace him. And and you know, it really hasn't. It really didn't come down to. I mean, when's the last game that came down to a kick? I mean, you see it for the most part pulling everybody out, but that's might happen this year. And you're going to have a brand new field goal kicker out there. You know, I, I'm not sure who it is. Um, Dylan Barnes. Um, has been here, you know, a, a couple years. I think he's the favorite to probably be the guy on field goals. Um, from what I hear, he has, you know, he's the, the, the most consistency there. I know they brought in um, a freshman kicker from Arizona named uh, Daniel Obarski. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. I think he might have like the stronger leg to do kickoff duties, but you know, as far as honing down, you know, there's a lot that goes into, it's not just a strong leg. You got to have angle of kick and all that stuff on field goals. I've heard maybe, you know, his kicks are a little bit low right now in terms of field goals. So he's trying to work to improve that, you know, want to get him blocked. So I think Dylan Barnes probably is the favorite to, to be in that, that field field goal role. And then, Punter wise, um, with Mac Loudermilk, I mean, you know, past few years there were games we didn't UCF didn't even punt. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, he didn't get a lot of he, he just got attention because of his crazy hair and his beard, you know. It was hard to get attention from a punter because he was he was barely, barely playing. Um, you know, that's something that's I think it's gonna be worked out in the next few weeks. And Andrew Osteen. I think he's a redshirt freshman. I know he was here last year. I think he's probably the favorite to be the punter. Um, but yeah, we don't know a whole lot there. And 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 a lot long snapper wise, uh, Caleb Perez graduated was really good. Uh, they feel really comfortable about Alex Ward. Um, he'd been the backup the last couple of years. They feel really good there. He's a really good snapper. Awesome. There's nothing to worry worry about there. It's just the other positions are a little little much uh, kind of in, in, in limbo. Yeah. I guess that'll it'll work itself out in the next few weeks. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. But that's crazy. I mean. Besides Matthew Wright uh, missing, I think it was his first field goal attempt ever or, or something like that against Furman, which I would have won this the game. Was it Furman where he missed that one? Yeah, I, I don't know if that was his – that was – um, Or maybe it was FAU yeah, or something. That was like FIU. FIU. It was yeah. FIU, yeah, yeah. 
but I which mean, I don't know why. Okay, we we we'll, we'll talk for a half hour about that. I don't know why Leary put him in that position. Pretty much stopped trying to move the ball I, we to were, have a freshman kicker who has never kicked in his life to kick a, a long field goal at a terrible trajectory. I think there was a false start or something. The penalty that backed him up even further. I mean, that was just terrible coaching. But we yeah. we can talk about that another time. We, right we had over a minute left. We were running the ball down their throat, and then O'Leary just starts to like pretty much like kneel and run the clock out for him to go. But yeah, you're right. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, all right, real quick here. What about – I know we got a bunch of grad transfers, obviously Brandon Winbush. What about the other guys, mostly on, I guess, the defensive side of the ball? Who do we have eligible immediately, and uh, who do you think is going to make an impact? Well, um, I guess the biggest name that we know is eligible – I mean, the first the guy that I know will make an impact is uh, Brandon Wilson. He played – well, he's from the area, played at West Orange High School. He was recruited by UCF and the O'Leary staff. Um, I believe class of 2015, I believe – um, chose to go to Indiana, didn't play a whole lot, played the most this past season. Most thing he started one game. He was mostly a reserve. He's a big body. He came in here this summer. You know, I don't know exactly where he'll fit in. I mean, with UCF pretty much losing every de- defensive lineman other than Brendan Hayes and Randy Charlton and losing every interior lineman, they're going to need bodies. Um, right. so he's, he's in the mix, you know, um, Coach Burnham does. Shane Burnham, D-line coach, said he's been doing well, and you know he may start. If not, I know he'll be in that depth. Um, he's probably the biggest one. Um, the Malik Barrow um, is kind of the the new name to kind of surface. Um, you know, he's probably more known for his status as a four-star recruit, an Ohio State signee, um, but he's had like three knee surgeries. He's really barely played at Ohio State, so he's just kind of he's he's coming in as a walk on. He did gra- I don't know how he graduated, but he must have loaded up on credits because I think he had, would have two years left to play. He already graduated from Ohio State, you know, right before camp started. So he's 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 eligible to play immediately, and he's out out there practicing. It's just a situation where his knees have you know he's had three knee surgeries and Thanks. just you know how he could. I haven't really heard a whole lot about him this past week, but he's you know he's really no risk to UCF. He's not taking up a scholarship because it's kind of the situation he's in he's unproven you know people are kind of wondering what his long-term health is going to be in terms of you know can they offer him a scholarship it's kind of late too most schools have used up their scholarship allotment for the next year so he's here he's from the tampa area you know we'll see if, if, if he can contribute um there's you know some other guys we're kind of waiting to hear if they're going to be eligible to play uh tony gray was an offensive tackle transferred in from ole miss um you know they're getting a little bit more, you know, about, you know, hardship waivers or whatever you want to call it. as far as immediate eligibility, if you have that high price law, you're Tom Mars and you're Justin Fields or you're Tate Martell and you can, you know, they, those guys for some reason got a, their waivers approved immediately. Yeah, but Parker but couldn't, I mean, that's just yeah. And he had, his sister was sick and stuff. So uh, yeah. there's some, I don't know. Um, hi, you know, Heupel said Tony Gray looks good. He would be in the mix at, to start at left tackle. There's there's three guys competing at left tackle, but you know, obviously if he's not eligible to play. He can't play. So we don't know about him. Cam Good is another one. He's um, I don't know why he wouldn't be eligible. Uh, you know, he's he 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 signed with Virginia Tech um in last year's class. He enrolled at Virginia Tech. He you know I think maybe it was a little came in a little little heavy and didn't appreciate their strength. I don't know specifically what happened, but their strength coaches were getting on him to get in better shape and to lose weight. And he didn't maybe like what they were doing. And maybe there were some words exchanged, whatever it was, you know, he left Virginia tech and was unhappy and he pretty much, you know, was not enrolled 
he did initially enroll in, in summer school, but he was not anywhere this past fall um, in terms of a school. So he enrolled um, at UCF in January. So I don't know like why he wouldn't be eligible to play. It's not like he was on Virginia Tech's roster during the season, but technically because he was there for summer, he has to get a waiver um, in order to play this year. And everyone always thought, you know, it was a shoe in that. Oh yeah. There's I, why wouldn't he get it? But I don't think they have an answer yet from when I asked the other day and I don't know the details of what they're waiting on. Could it be maybe they got a denial and they're working on an appeal and they don't really want it out there because they don't want, you know, the, social media outrage of oh i can't believe they turned this this guy down i i don't, I don't know that's just me, me yeah. speculating i don't know but i don't know if they have an answer yet with him so that's something we'll wait to see um you know i don't think i mentioned the position he plays he, he's a defensive tackle so you know he would be a guy that yeah, would be could he could use him. him i don't i don't know where he would factor in but he's a guy that you can definitely use and, and he's done a lot to get in shape and improve his body and stuff like that over the you know the nine months or so he's, he's already been here yeah so those are the there's the big ones there's another guy from virginia tech he's a linebacker um i think he was he left the team virginia tech and there's a lot of players left virginia tech during the season last year um i i don't know if he's eligible but he's originally from jacksonville i know they were working on a waiver for him too but i frankly i really haven't heard anything about them they've been kind of quiet you know yeah. i'm kind of asked like and i'm asking like, they said they don't have an, have an have an answer yet but really aren't giving me a reason why yeah i mean you know here's the thing if, if fields can get a waiver and if tate martell can get a waiver just because he like sucks and rides the bench i don't understand how these people with decently legitimate cases don't get a waiver but i guess that's a that's a whole other conversation um all right we're gonna switch gears here i'm, I'm gonna hand it over to move for a little bit wait can can we go back to oh. first gear oh well first gear <laughs> <laughs> what about um one guy that somebody asked me about the other day actually uh the duke transfer jordan hayes any news yeah on yeah that? yeah that's right you're right um that's another one um i uh, yeah i you know we haven't heard a whole lot about him i mean I think Randy Shannon mentioned him one time that he was doing well. I think he's playing safety. Um, I think I, when he came in, I thought maybe that that nickel spot that Kazi was really good at last year. I thought maybe he was brought in to play that position, but I think that might be Aaron Robinson's job now. But I think he's primarily contributing at, at safety. I think we're obviously going to see Richie Grant and and um, Antoine Collar, I think, obviously played the most reps there. I think he's sort of a backup safety right now. But honestly, I haven't heard a whole lot about him since he got here. But he has. You're right. That's another one. He's been here since January. All right, cool. Uh, so now we'll switch, we'll switch gears <laughs> over right. to uh, my little segment of the interview. It's called Moo's Minute. These are just some fun kind of off-the-wall questions, mostly about UCF. But anyway, Brandon. We need to, yeah. to we need you to tell us your favorite George O'Leary story. I could probably tell ten, but if I'm going to tell favorite. one, I'm going to tell my favorite. You know, oh, there's probably some I, I could say, but I wouldn't want to get anyone in trouble. <laughs> That's um, what yeah, everyone uh, we've interviewed has said. They're like, "Oh, yeah, I can't yeah, say my I, favorite." <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was funny. Um, well, no, I, I don't want to go there. But okay, but I, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will pick out this way. Every, you know, everyone knows O'Leary had his moods. He was, he was you know, always, you know, for some reason he could snap at any moment. Like you didn't know why. You know, he could snap at anyone, a player, a coach, media, a, you know, UCF staff. And like if you were just around him, you could just snap. You know, he didn't like what you're wearing or something. He would yell at you. And but there was a lot of stories about that. Like where the like, media like would show up and he didn't like the color shirt you were wearing and he, you know, yell at you and make you change clothes. If you wanted to ask him a question or something, it's crazy. <laughs> but I remember, um, I think this was, 
going into, I want to say like maybe 2012. Um, I think that was a season that UCF was opening up with Akron. Maybe it was 2011, 2011, 2012. I got to see what, what season it was, but whatever it was, UCF was going to open up this season with Akron. And, you know, we have, you know, media has days they can go for interviews, like maybe you can go Monday, Wednesday, Friday or whatever. So, you know, practice was closed at that point. I think it was school had already started. And so I was sitting in my car. I was parked in that kind of loading dock bay area of, of the stadium kind of by the practice. So I just sit in my car and just kind of waiting to see, like, you know, when practice gets over, because when it's over, you know, everyone runs on the field and, and talks to Elyria. But at that point, practice was closed. So we couldn't be like inside the, the practice area. So I'm sitting there and. I don't know. I think it was in the morning or something. I just got there. I think practice was supposed to end right about 11. I was there about 1030. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, um, everyone just stops. You know, I'm just I'm probably looking at my phone or something. And then I hear how the windows rolled down. And I I don't know what it was. I could hear O'Leary's voice yelling and yelling and yelling. And I, I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, he, he yells and, and, and just everyone stops. And he walks out um, out, out of the practice field to the Wayne Dench. And, um back then you know now they have construction they got that new facility going up so it doesn't look the same as it did back then but they used to have like they have these folding tables that the trainers would um pour um glasses or, or cups of powerade you know they'd put powerade on so when the players walk off the field they can grab a, a really large cup of powerade to rehydrate after practice so they had multiple tables of like 200 cups of powerade that were already like just set up and poured like there's a trainer that would always do that like right before practice ends cup by and cup so o'leary 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 marches up and and, and something had, had had teed him off okay he, he yelled at the team and so he was like leaving he was like practice he he cut practice early he ended practice early um and i'm just sitting here and i'm like what's he doing and then he kind of walks by himself and he's he's marching up to the Wayne Dent Center where where his, his office is, and he, he his office was he could access from a little side door, but before he got to that point, he saw where these tables were, a Powerade, and he literally like in a in a rage like 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 some wrestling move, he grabs the the the, the folding table with like both of his hands, and he literally flips the table. And all the Powerade just goes spills everywhere. I mean, <laughs> he literally just wrecked these two tables of Powerade. I mean, it was like it was like Incredible Hulk, like you know, rage type things. And like, like, oh my god, like he just did that. Like, <laughs> this would have been like the best video ever. Like, I, yeah. I just like, I, I mean, he's done crazy. He would do stuff like that. Like, it was an act. I think a lot of it was an act with him because when you go to practice, there was always one practice in spring and one practice in camp where he would get mad. He would end practice early. He'd yell at the team and he'd tell them they all sucked. And then he would leave. And I'd seen it before. And I think it was an act because he, he wanted to get there. You know, I mean, he probably was teed off. He didn't like effort by one guy or something, but he would, he would always, you could usually count on one time that happening. And so that was kind of a funny story where he pretty much wrecked the Powerade uh, table <laughs> on his, in a fit of rage after uh, a practice that he wasn't pleased with. So that's one of them I don't mind put, uh, putting out there. But, you know, there's a lot more, you know, O'Leary stories out there. Uh, I'll tell you, it was it was always something. As you as you guys know, it was never a dull moment with that guy. So, right. you know, that was the thing <laughs> that I always liked about it because it was always there was always I mean, I just thought it was kind of funny. I mean, yeah, he might yell at me or whatever. But I mean, you know, it was always something where. You know, he'd say something about the fans or like, you know, he'll say something about a player that was kind of like, you know, kind of nasty, but it would get people riled up. And it was kind of funny to me, but uh, it was a lot more entertaining in, in that aspect um, when he when he was here. So that that's one one funny story. Well, that's awesome. I, I think that's definitely a story that not many people have, <laughs> have heard or, uh, you know, were there to witness. 
So on to the next one. Who do you think is the most famous person in your phone? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, in my phone. Um, I don't, I don't think about it because I might have some, I mean, maybe George O'Leary is the most famous person in my phone. Whoa, whoa. You got um, George's number? Um, Yo, call yeah. him up three way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I have his number. Um, I don't know. Um, probably. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get, am I, am I still being followed by Blake Bortles on Twitter? I don't know. I he think dele- I, he deleted not... his Twitter. Unfortunately. Did he? Okay. He did follow me for a long time. I mean, when he still had his Twitter, I know he, he didn't follow many people. He still followed me. So I don't, he cha- I don't know. Maybe that was the most famous. I don't know. He changed his number too. I, I tried to get him on the podcast and it was like, Oh, you can't text a landline number or something like that. So I was like, Oh, guess he changed his number. All right, oh God, so that might be the most famous. What's your favorite game that you've covered in your time at UCF? I think it's, I think it's a cop out, or, or it's too easy to say like Peach Bowl or right, not know, not that, one of the or, usual or, or, ones, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's too easy. I'm just saying like or the Fiesta Bowl, like in 2013, like that's too easy. Okay, probably my favorite would probably be that Louisville game on a Friday night in 2013. You know, obviously that that crazy season when UCF won all those games like in dramatic fashion, and and if you guys remember that, I mean UCF was down, it was like twenty five points, whatever it was. I mean they were down a ton. Like it was going to be like on the road loss too. Yeah. on the road. Number you know, six, look, Louisville. Yeah, like, and, number eight, something like that. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere Friday night, and just the comeback that UCF had, like I, you couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just it was amazing. I mean, just all the all the plays that happened from that, you know late third quarter on i mean it was just it was unreal and then that final touchdown and just seeing because because louisville was like yeah we're gonna roll through this thing you know we're gonna you know we're gonna make you know um i guess that was before the college football playoff right yeah. or that was the that last, was the last year, year yeah that was the last year before it but yeah they just thought we're gonna roll through this thing you know we're gonna be you know undefeated and all this stuff and and ucf won and it was just it was just crazy. I mean, just the range of emotions and just seeing the player reaction and just go from a moment where, yeah, you, you, you thought you were kind of going to get blown out. I mean, it kind of looked like that for a little while. I mean, there was a pretty big deficit and just that, that comeback. I mean, and that was really the first, I mean, UCF had, had won some games, but I mean, that was the first one. And I think that was the highest, you know, ranked win they, at that time and stuff like that. And so that, that was that was really special knowing that a lot of people were watching on a Friday night. I mean, that was probably the most fun game that, that I can recall, you know, being at. I mean, that, that was like the beginning of really the, this whole recent chapter. That was the beginning of the Fiesta Bowl run. And, um, you know, the first really, really big thing we did to put us on the map, obviously the, the bowl win against Georgia, but you know, it's a bowl game, even though they were a little bit more important back then, um, you know, a ranked, uh, a huge ranked top 10 win on the road, the, and you know 21 point comeback obviously huge um on you know everyone was watching it like you said on friday night and um you know the rest is history for that season which i still to this day can't i don't understand like how we won all those close games but you know that's, that's where the cardiac either. knights nickname came from so exactly all right one last question for you uh i guess it's a little easy one who's your favorite person that you've interviewed or maybe like the most kind of off the wall type uh interview that you've done oh that's that's interesting i got gosh um he never knew what george o'leary was gonna say yeah. but I, I don't know <laughs> if he really fits for 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 this but you know i've always kind of liked seeing like the guys who you know don't really have the hype you know coming out of high school and you kind of remember 
you know, talk, you know, talking to them and just, you know, how excited they were just to get an opportunity to play college, college football. And they're not necessarily thinking, you know, I'm going to go on and, you know, start in the NFL or whatever, but guys like, you know, um, AJ Boye, who committed to UCF over offers from like Louisiana Monroe. I mean, <laughs> this guy, I remember, you know, fans kind of being like, yeah, who's, who's this guy? What kind of offers is this guy? I mean, this is like a big time reach, you know, and yep. he goes on to have the career that he did, you know, Kevin Smith. I mean, you know, figuring out who, who this guy was and, and okay. Yeah. Some guy from my, you know, talking to him and then, you know, showing up to, I think the first practice that year, um, it was seven to be like, wow, this, this guy's good. Like, like, you know, you could see yeah. it like the very, very first practice, like this guy's better than everybody. Like what's up with this guy? Like, why wasn't he recruited more than he was? You know, like stuff, stuff like that. Even like Bruce, Bruce Miller, you know, um, Bruce. you know, I know he's kind of had some issues lately, but I mean, Whatever. he was really nice. Really. I always enjoyed, always loved talking to him. I, I still see him. I mean, you know, he, he kind of came in and, you know, it was just kind of like this, you know, ginger headed, kid that like yeah he had like one to lay off and like tread lightly you know, moose, moose got red hair so be careful yeah and uh you know and he he went on to you know be conference usa defensive player of the year and uh, you know nice little nfl career you know for a little while yeah no <laughs> so it kind of got derailed but you know guys like that are like you know they worked hard and you know you saw saw what happened even blake i mean blake was you know Blake couldn't even get offers, you know, playing playing quarterback. I mean, they didn't think he had it in him. I mean, he was offered by Tulane. I mean, Tulane yeah. offered him as a tight end. Yep. I mean, we're talking about Tulane. I mean, they didn't even think he he could play quarterback. So, you know, seeing seeing stories like that, and you know, guys who who really end up being really really successful as player, and I not just you know they don't have to be like like NFL guys, but I always get a kick out of you know even even now like like R- Richie Grant, um, right? You know he's UCF's best, best defensive player. And what did, what did he have coming out of high school? He had like Kennesaw state offer and like Citadel or something. I mean, it was like yeah. one to play, one to play offers. It's, it's and, awesome to see. That's kind of UCF story. These, you know, we're always been the underdog and, and we prove people wrong. And all those guys you mentioned have kind of been, you know, the same. Um, so that's kind of been our, our, our thing throughout yeah. the years. Yeah. I know we didn't talk about recruiting, but it's like, that's why it's hard to like, really be ever be overly analytical or critical about who they're bringing in before they've even played because there's been so many examples at UCF where the you know quote unquote highly rated guy comes in as either a bust or is just an, an okay player and then the guys who you remember as like the standout stars of, of the team like you know they didn't really have much going for them. I mean, they didn't have them. Maybe they had one. They didn't have many offers. Yeah. They didn't want to play offers. And, and, and look at J J J Warden came in. He couldn't even get offers coming out of high coming out of high school. Yep. And, um, and, and he, on the other side too, a lot of the big schools, which is, I hate my friends that are like FSU and Gators, and they're like, oh, we've got all these five star recruits. Half of them don't end up even starting. So it's like. You know, a lot of these kids are still like going through. They're still growing and stuff at the time, and a lot of them fizzle out. So I try not to get too wrapped up in the recruiting, and I think that's a good example of why. But yeah, with right. the recruiting, how I mean, I mean, I run basically like <laughs> recruiting is a big part of what I do, but I don't get caught up with that stuff. To me, no. it's just recruiting. To me, if you're a UCF fan or you know a fan of any school, it's about you know learning who your future players are going to be. You know, just kind of you know you know you want to you know learn more about them, you know, you, you appreciate the fact that they're coming to, to your school and, and don't get caught up in that other stuff. Cause we've, we've seen where the guys who are not ranked at all and didn't have any offers or, you know, awesome players and the guys who everyone, you know, hypes up. I mean, I don't want to 
talk poorly about people, but you know, sometimes I think the only four star guy, maybe there's a couple more that, that came to UCF that ended up being like a really good player was probably Josh, Josh Robinson. I mean, some Tra- guys have Traquan? come better. I don't know if Trey Cohen was four stars. I'm maybe it was on, 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 yeah, he was, maybe that was Snelson. He, I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, it was Snell's. I mean, he's an okay player. I mean, I guess that's what I meant when I said I didn't want to right. <laughs> yeah, say anything bad about him. He was an all right player, but he's not. I mean, like in ten in ten years, we're not going to be talking about. Oh man, do you remember Snelson? Yeah, you no, know, you're going to you're, you're going to say that about Traquan Smith, but you're not going to say that about about Snelson. I mean, it's no disrespect to him, um, but yeah, but a lot of times the players get excited about these guys who are highly ranked, and a lot of times they don't really, you know, not to say they don't pan out, but they don't. You know, they're not live up to their expectations. Live up to the expectations. I get what you're saying. All right, um, we're gonna wrap it up here, dude. Thanks so much, um, for all that. That was really cool to learn about, uh, the past. I learned a bunch of stuff I didn't know uh, about you and and how everything got started, and um, it was fun to talk about the current team. And you know, like I said, I cannot wait. We are uh, when this airs, we'll be 22 days away. So, uh, thanks so much, and I look forward to seeing you on the sidelines. All right, guys, thanks for having me, and I will see you at the first game. This is Steve Levy from ESPN, and you're listening to One Night Stand. All right, that interview was brought to you by SeatGeek. Use promo code UCFPROBLEMS, all one word, for $20 off your FAU tickets. What a great deal. $20 off for first-time users only. So if you've used it before, have someone else use it with maybe a different email address. So yeah, promo code UCF problems, get your FAU tickets, $20 off SeatGeek. You can't beat it. Really cool app or you can go to their website too. So let's get to our last segment here. We've got Moose Mailbag. Newly named Moose Mailbag. Yeah. What's well, formerly Monday Mailbag, but because we don't always do it on Monday and, and we like to change the format and the names of literally everything in the show all the time. We're working out the kinks, though. It's only like episode, what, 25 or something like that? I think it's 26. 27, 26. 26. Moose yeah. Mailbag. I'm not complaining. All right. All right. First question from UCF Jaguar. Will. What? I, I met him at uh, the dog bar like two months ago. So oh, shout really? out UCF Jaguar at St. <laughs> Pete. Yeah. He's cool. All right. Will Gabe Davis be a first-round pick in the 2020 draft? Gabe Davis currently is a junior, so he'd be coming out one year early. You know, as long as he stays healthy this season, he's definitely going to go to the draft. I mean, I think, you know, because of his size, I think he'll definitely go higher than Traquan or, you know, I guess Nelson didn't get drafted. But I think he'll be very highly regarded as a wide receiver. I think... You know, second round or first round, it's tough to say because our skill players just don't get the credit they deserve not being in a Power 5 conference. Um, but we'll see. He's very, very talented, and he's he's got the size too. I mean, dude's just a baller, and uh, it kind of stinks. I'm, I really think he's going to leave. It's not like insider information. I just think he's too good to stay another year and risk it, but I guess we'll have to see what happens. Uh, what do you think? I think, sure, he – First round, I mean, he'd have to have a pretty stellar uh, year. I think top three rounds, there's a pretty good shot. So this year there were two wide receivers drafted in the first round. The skill positions, running back, receiver, they don't go in the first. There was one running back, two wide receivers, because the wide receivers have to be like out-of-this-world elite talent. Running backs are just 
they're not as as valuable as a com- of a commodity anymore. You know, they get hurt, and obviously it's just a passing league now. So I think top two rounds. Moose says top three. We'll see what happens. Maybe you know, maybe I I'd love for him to come back, but I think he's just too good to to pass up going to the draft and leaving early. He's yeah, yeah. you got to do what's best for yourself. So I think so too. All right, this next question is from Luke Fay. Tight end position. That is all. So there's a lot of question marks around the tight end position, especially after uh, this past year where we lost Kubes, Michael Kulubiali, the go-to man. Um, you know, just looking at the depth chart, and I haven't really heard a whole lot, and I try not to speculate, but this show is all about hot takes. So we've heard and seen a lot of Jake Hescock who's the transfer from Wisconsin. And we've also seen, especially in the spring game, Jacob Harris, who is listed as tight end. But do you have any other news about him? He was kind of playing receiver from what I've heard. And that's something that KZ actually mentioned in our interview with him on the last episode is that he's kind of been staying out at receiver. I mean, we're so stacked at receiver, even with losing Snelson. Marlon Williams is stepping up. Um, so it's tough. I think he's more of a receiving tight end just because he's like six foot eight, and it's like it, to block at six foot eight. Like the guys are too low. I mean, I don't. I don't really know. It's kind of all speculation. I think Hescock was probably at least his blocking grades last year from Pro Football Focus were better than Kubes. So I think he's going to be like the traditional tight end. We're going to see a lot of everyone. I mean, dude, Marlon Williams has the size to be a tight end. He's big, even though he's fast and can jump. Um, not saying they'll use him there, but. You know, a lot of these, the tight end position almost, I mean, you look at the NFL, it's almost a designation. A lot of these guys are really mostly just receivers. It's not like the old Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, these guys that are almost built like offensive tackles. So I think we'll see a lot of everyone. You know, there's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed, and that's not a bad thing to have uh, on, a, on an offense like ours. All right, this next one's from Daniel Peterson. Which matchup are you looking forward to the most this season and why? I would say me versus the uh, the security people in the cabana <laughs> trying to <laughs> All, sneak in. Always a good matchup. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Most looking forward to, you know, it, that's tough. Obviously the Stanford game, but, you know, if we're both not 2-0, and that really doesn't matter. I, I'm kind of excited to see Houston. I've really – I've followed Derek King for a little while now. Um, I, I put some money on him to win the Heisman. And if you watch his highlight tape, I mean, he's really, really, really good. Like, I think he's better. He looks better on tape than Lamar Jackson. His his deep ball is just like it's just it's beautiful to watch. He's really, really good. Um, so I'm kind of excited to watch us play Houston, and that's going to be one of those, you know, games like versus Memphis where we score over 100 points. So that's kind of the one I'm going to pick. Although Pitt on the road too, I think is going to be a really fun matchup as well. Um, and you know, if you remember from last year, there were quotes. After they lost to us, they were calling us high school team and stuff like that. So I think that you know they're gonna have a chip on their shoulder, and that's gonna be a big revenge game for them, especially if we're both coming in three and zero and ranked. So that that would be another one to watch. What do you think? Uh, I gotta go with Cincinnati. You know, uh, that's another one that you know they want revenge. They were talking a little trash last year, even though there wasn't a a whole lot of Cincinnati fans at the game. But they haven't been ranked in a long, long time. And for them to be ranked, you know, big hype, Luke Fickle, uh, 
Luke Fickle is a pickle. One of my favorite signs. <laughs> game game day. Sign. Game day. Uh, you know them coming in here and to our house and really getting stomped. You know they want a chance uh, to recover from that and kind of get revenge. It'll be Friday night, eight o'clock on ESPN in their house. So and you know college football games the home away or the home field advantage huge is a lot bigger than than in the NFL. Uh, especially October 4th, might get that like first little cold front coming in. It might be a little chilly a little uh, bit, yeah. up there in Cincy. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure we'll be up for the test, but it's definitely not going to be easy. Yeah, that's a great answer too. Uh, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a handful of games. Houston, Cincinnati, Pitt, and Stanford are all going to be tough. And there'll probably be another game too that is going to be kind of a sleeper one that's tough. We just don't know yet. Um but, yeah, I hope we win that, that Cincinnati game. So, uh, you know, we're coming off a nice win heading into Columbia for the bachelor party. <laughs> but we'll, Not uh, South Carolina. No, Columbia. <laughs> I told somebody we were going to Columbia the other day. Like, really? South Carolina? <laughs> Dude, this would be my second Columbia this year. Yeah. Yeah. South Pretty Carolina. Crazy. March Madness. Oh, from March Madness, yeah. Oh, Dude, yeah. how do we not beat Duke? I would have been there for the Whoa. greatest upset in March Madness history besides Virginia. Right there. All right. I I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. It's been like six months, and nope, still hurts just the same. Uh, any more questions from the mailbag? Nope, that's it. Keep uh, keep sending those questions in to Moose Mailbag. Yeah. And um, Thanks for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe. Leave us a good review. We'll have a couple more episodes out with some, with some cool guests before the season starts. And, uh, you know, like I said... 22 days and i'm very excited hopefully this episode got you excited you excited moo i'm super excited now, i'm a little disappointed we didn't have money moves picks of the week obviously there's no games uh, some of the some of the lines are out for a few of the opening week games we can do gambling next episode we'll get into some of the win totals yeah still. haven't had a, a chance to really look those over but Definitely in the next episode. I know the line for the FAMU game won't, maybe won't ever come out, but it, yeah. it might come out like real close before game time. Yeah, and uh, I think the Stanford line's out. I think we're actually an underdog. Three points, I believe. Oh, no, I haven't seen yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, we'll get, we got a lot of other stuff to cover, so we'll get into that next episode. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Go Knights. Charge on. Shots. Shots.